he put before them another parable. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to someone who sowed good seed in his field. But while everybody was asleep, an enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and then went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared as well. And the slaves of the householder came to him and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? Where then did these weeds come from? He answered, An enemy has done this. The slaves said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he replied, No, for in gathering the weeds, you would uproot the wheat along with them. Let both of them grow together until the harvest, and at harvest time I will tell the reapers, collect the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. Then he left the crowds and went into the house, and his disciples approached him, saying, Explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. He answered, The one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed are the children of the kingdom. The weeds are the children of the evil one, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are angels. Just as the weeds are collected and burned up with the fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will collect out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all evildoers, and they will throw them into the furnace of fire, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. Let anyone with ears listen. Good morning. My name is Sam Powers. I'm not Elaine Robinson, so you may have noticed that. Elaine's, I think, uh, headed to a symposium I read in the bulletin. I couldn't remember what she was doing. I was hoping she'd be on vacation, but that sounds like work to me. So uh, in any event, I hope that she has a good time and enjoys the time away. And she invited me to come and preach. I'm the district superintendent here. I've been here before, and so it's good to be back with you this morning. And uh, why don't we have a word of prayer before we get started? Gracious God, as you give us your word to meditate on once again today, we give thanks for this parable of the weeds and the wheat, and we ask that as we meditate on it that you give us a greater sense of understanding and wisdom that it would not just be a story for us, but it would be a a part of our story, a part of who we are and how we live, and let us be guided by the Holy Spirit in our understanding and in our living of this parable. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, this is a, it's kind of a tough parable um, for the, when it's originally told. Uh, when Jesus would tell these parables, a lot of times 
they were confounding to the audience. And you see the disciples coming back and they said, well, what does this mean? Tell us about what, what this means. And they were, they were complex and difficult. And as the, as the disciples then experienced uh, his death and resurrection and the early church kind of began to spread, they would tell these parables again and again. And later it became the parables kind of took on that sense of uh, the lens that they looked through, which is the lens of his death and resurrection and what that new life means for us. And so when you think about the early church, they would have had, uh, when it began to spread out of, out of uh, Judea and into the Mediterranean world, you had more Gentiles then starting to come than uh, Jews who converted to Christianity, if that makes sense. And so in those early churches where you had all these Gentiles, um, their behavior may not have matched up to what the Jewish expectation was at the time. So if you're raised Jewish and you're, you're born, you know, you have already been circumcised if you're a man, you know, this kind of thing, and you obeyed all the dietary laws because that's what you did growing up, and that was just part of who you are. And so you didn't see that as a difference in your Christian walk or lifestyle. And then when you're introducing all these people who weren't circumcised as infants and who grew up eating, you know, bacon sandwiches and things like that, you know, that's a whole different thing. And so the two are coming together in the Christian community in the early church, and they're trying to say, what is the right way to live? What is the right way for us to live together? And is it necessary for faith in Christ to, in, in essence, you have to be circumcised, you have to follow the dietary laws. Is that necessary for us to be uh, together and have faith? And so when we tell the weeds and the wheat, the parable of that, it kind of reflects maybe a little bit on that attitude and that understanding of the early Christian community as you have differing branches trying to come together and have faith in Christ. And today, it's not so different. Uh, we go through this idea of um, is it faith or is it works? What is, what is it that saves us? And all through Christian history, we've had this kind of movement in and out of, of faith and works and the idea of grace, in essence, the grace of God. And is it, is it that or is it our works that save us? And we go back and forth and, and the pendulum swings back and forth. And even now within the United Methodist Church, we've got disaffiliation going on in some branches of our churches. And as a superintendent, I've had to deal with that. It's not been... It's not been the fun part of my job, I would say that. Um, but a lot of the churches that we've noticed that are trying to, to leave the body are in essence saying, well, you know, you're weeds. <laughs> and we're, we're going to prune you and we're going to go over here and be the wheat. And that's kind of that's opposite of what this parable says for us to do and what Jesus asks us to do. It's interesting. When we think about that, if, you know, the weeds and the wheat, and you think about it, if you think about that, um, do you imagine yourself as the weed or the wheat? I think most of us think we're the wheat, right? And can you think of anybody that's a weed in your life? Yeah, we probably can all think of, you probably can identify somebody who you say, well, that's a, he's kind of weedish, you know, <laughs> Or, or they're weedish in their behavior. You know, they're kind of like the weeds in my life. And I'd just as soon prune them out and rip them up and, and not have to deal with them. And that's the thing about this parable. 
Jesus says, no, 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 don't, don't rip those people out of your life. Leave them alone. Leave them alone. Let's grow up together and see what happens. I find that a lot of times people that are weedish make me anxious. Do you ever find that? If somebody's doing something that's odd behavior or behavior that's outside of the realms of normal, do you get anxious about that? I do, yeah, yeah, it's normal to get anxious since it makes us uncomfortable. We don't like that when they do weird things or things that are um, outside the norm. And we just assume they not do that. And it's, it's important for us to understand that, that our anxiety sometimes gets the better of us. And what happens is, as Christians, sometimes what we do is we say in the Christian community, well, you are not fit for this community because of your behavior. And it's interesting because we are supposed to have standards, right? We're called to better behavior. We're called to live in Christian community. We're called to exemplify love and forgiveness with one another. And if you can't do that, can you be a part of the Christian community? So it's a difficult thing. We have standards and we have, we have to have accountability with one another. And yet at the same time, we have to share the good news with everybody. So it's kind of a conundrum for us of how we do that. And I think our anxiety gets in the way. You know, when I was thinking about this, um, I was flying on a plane earlier this uh, year, or maybe it was in June, and you see the little placards in the plane where it talks about the, the little oxygen masks that come down. And if you're flying with a child, what are you supposed to do? Put yours on first, and then you help the child, right? How many parents are tempted, if that were, if that were to really fall down, how many of you all would be tempted to put it on your child first anyway? Yeah, 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 we are. Why is that? We know we've been told what to do. Why would we think that we should do that first? We love them, we want to help them, and we say, oh, we've just got to help them first. And yet, why do they tell us not to do it that way? Yeah, if you pass out while you're trying, fumbling around trying to put theirs on, you'll be of no help to them. So that's not any good. So you got to put yours on, and then you got to put theirs on. And that's a, in essence, that's a metaphor spiritually for what we're doing here with this idea of the weeds and the wheat. That, that spiritually, we've got to be in tune with ourselves. And then we can help our neighbor. And so... What I find that's helpful for me, maybe, is to think about this weeds and wheat kind of idea, is that where, am, where in my life am I the weed? I'd like to be the wheat. All of us want to be the wheat. But we all know we got a little weed in us, right? <laughs> We've all got a little weed, in, and so we have to look at ourselves and say, where can I prune my own weeds in my life, and i got to get my life in order before I can help my neighbor? And that's, that's kind of how we do this. Um, sometimes Christians, like I said, the pendulum swings, and we go so far the other way on this idea of you're in or you're out. Have you ever encountered another Christian that told you you were out? Even though you're a Christian and you go to church, you're here in church, like on a Sunday morning, you're in, and yet your conversation with them made you feel like you were out. Right? That's, that's not paying attention to this parable. 
My wife encountered this when she was in, we were in uh, I was in seminary in Georgia at Emory, and she was working the first year we were there, and um, she was trying to keep the household together, you know, working while I was going to school, this kind of stuff, and then, and then she went to, uh, got her MBA. But while she was working, she carpooled with this woman that was also, her husband was in med school, and we were in married student housing at Emory, and, and so we would, they would carpool to work together because they, they worked pretty close. And, and Atlanta traffic is nuts. Let me just say, it was crazy. So they, they shared the ride together. And my wife quickly found out that this woman went to church somewhere, not United Methodist. It was an independent church. And um, her preacher had convinced everybody in that church that if you were not a part of their church, that you were going to hell. And that was just, I mean, they had flat rules. It was just, it was no consideration. It's, everybody's out except the ones that are in. And so they desperately tried to get you to go to their church. And, and Cheryl's like, you know, she had a good excuse because she said, well, my husband's a pastor and we go to the United Methodist Church. You know, he's working on this. So, and so, uh, so she kind of left her alone about inviting her again. But they'd talk once in a while. And Cheryl was never one to be cowed easily. And uh, so she asked, she'd some kind of ask her about some of these doctrines they had. And she's like, are you sure everybody's going to hell if they're not part of the church? And she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So she's asking different people, what about this person? What about that? Yeah, yeah. And finally she goes, what about Mother Teresa? Is Mother Teresa going to hell? And you know what she said? She said, well, she's not part of our church. So... What I mean by that is sometimes we can get so far to this idea of exclusion that you can see Mother Teresa as a weed. Right? That's not what Jesus is calling us to do and be. And Jesus is calling us to do and be something else. Something else. How do we begin to see one another as wheat. Roberta Bondi was my professor at uh, Candler at Emory, and she really studied the Eastern uh, mothers and fathers, the desert mothers and fathers that came out of that tradition. And they had a lot of great stories. One of those stories that she told was about a man who was a monk, and he was, you know, nearing the end of his life, and he felt like he'd done some good work and felt like he'd really worked on his life and tried to be spiritually pure. And, and so he asked God in a prayer, he said, you know, Jesus, have I pleased you in this life? And an angel came down to him and, and said, you've done really well. You've done really well. You're, you've almost done as well as the gardener in the next town over. <laughs> and he's like, what? The gardener? I don't know this guy, so he says, i got to meet this guy. i got to see what he's like. So he goes over to the next town, and he meets the gardener. He goes, and he stays, and he's, the gardener's in you know, this simple dwelling. It's like this little cell, a little, little room, right in the middle of the town square, and so he's, it's very noisy. And so he's eating dinner and everything, and it's getting late in the evening, and outside the gardener's uh, room, you could hear all kinds of carousing and commotion. And, and people were singing songs, and they were kind of rowdy, you know, songs. These were not Christian songs they were singing. And so you could hear all this commotion going on. And he said, how do you, how do you keep this, you know, doesn't this bother you to hear this music? What do you think when you hear this music? He says, he says oh, no, it's, 
this, this, these songs have never bothered me. It doesn't. I don't think that I don't think I'm really as risque or, or problematic. I, I just don't even pay attention to it. It, it doesn't it doesn't affect me. And he goes, well, what do you think about the people that are singing them? <laughs> and he said, I think that they're going into the kingdom. And the monk realized, this is what I'm missing. This right here is what I'm missing. I, I don't see people as going into the kingdom. I see them as sinners, weeds to be pulled out. This gardener here sees them. Well, oh, they're just wheat. They're his fellow wheat. How do we understand grace out of this parable? I think it's the idea that we understand that we got weed in us too. And maybe we need to be, show a little more grace to those we encounter and see us on this journey together. There's another story that she told, or, uh, Dr. Bondi told. It was about uh, Abba Moses, who was a famous uh, desert father. And uh, there was a, a monk in the brotherhood that had sinned and done an awful thing, and, and they were going to judge the man in a kind of a tribunal or council. They were all getting together to judge him. And they invited Abba Moses, but he didn't come. <laughs> and so, so they sent a couple of brothers to go get Abba Moses. And they said, come on, you got, you got to come down. This brother has really done a bad thing, and we're going we're gonna to judge on him and, and figure out what we're going to do with him. And he says, all right, all right, I'll come just a second. Let me get something. So he gets this jug, like an earthenware jug, and he fills it up with water. And it's got a leak in it. And he's just carrying it along behind him. And it's just leaking all the way behind him as he goes. And they said, what are you doing? This, it's leaking. What, what is this? You're, what, are you, what does this mean? And he said, well, here I go with my sins trailing out behind me. And I'm on my way to judge the sins of another. <laughs> they forgave the brother. <laughs> they forgave him. I think when we discover that idea of our own sense of humility, who we are in this life, it allows us to see others differently. Maybe we need to begin to look and see, how does Jesus see these folks? And if we want our weeds to be overlooked and judged with mercy and forgiveness, maybe we should offer that to others as well. Finally, there's a story of, a, of Abba Achilles who was a famous desert father, and, and three men came to see him that were, um, had various reputations. Two of them were fairly good. One was kind of shady. And the first guy says, oh, you know, I'd really like you to make a net for me, so I'd have that, and I'd always remember you by that, and that'd be great if I could just have that as almost like a memento. And he said, oh, I don't have time to make you a net. I'm pretty busy here. I'm busy, I'm busy. I don't have time to make it. The second one says the same thing. Well, I'd really like one because, uh, you know, I could pass it on to my family. It'd always be something that you had touched and made, and gosh, it'd really seal our friendship. And he said, I told you, I really don't have time to make a net. I don't have time. I can't do it. Third guy comes up, the shady character. He says, Abba Achilles, will you please make me a net? And he said, for you, I'll make one. 
And he makes them, you know, he said, and the, so the other two came and he said, why would you make him a net and not us? And he said, you guys are fine. We're fine. Our relationship is fine. You guys are good, upstanding men. And if I said I didn't have time, you know I don't have time. But this, this man, if I'd have told him I was not going to make him a net, he would have thought it was because of his character and fundamentally who he is. And that would be a breach in our relationship. So for him, I made him one. That's a tough lesson. It's the idea that when we see the weeds among us, what would it be like if we reminded them that they're wheat? What would it be like for us to instill the good news in them and lead with grace rather than judgment? I think that's really the emphasis of this parable of the weeds and the wheat. When we allow the sin to become a distraction among us, it creates drama right here in the church. Have you ever seen drama in the church before? Absolutely we have. Because we're made of human beings, right? So all churches have drama. However, sometimes we feed the drama unnecessarily, don't we? What would it be like if we approached it next time we found drama to say, we're going to be humble and we're going to be forgiving and we're going to try to see their perspective and we're going to try to let peace reign. I think if more churches were able to do that and embrace this parable for that, people would be more attracted to coming to church because there's enough drama in people's lives right now. No one needs extra drama when they come to church, right? We've got plenty at home and in work and everywhere else in our life. And so when we come to church, let the peace of God reign among us. And we'll find that not only were we bearing fruit, but we're seeing fruit all among us. And as we look around, may we only see wheat. Amen.